Everybody and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this 13th episode is for the week of July 23rd, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to have professional astrologer, herbalist, author, and timing expert, Lisa Allen, join me in a discussion on catalytic motion, total lunar eclipse in Aquarius. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, takes what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early access uh, on Sundays, you can do so for only $1 per month on Patreon. So check out patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astral report. Our lunar lady is ever-increasing in her waxing phase as we head towards this week's total lunar eclipse in Aquarius. We start out the week in the fiery big-picture sign of Sagittarius until we move into the ambitious Earth realm of Capricorn on Tuesday. Luna remains in the sign of the seagoat until moving into the future-oriented air sign of Aquarius early Friday morning, and where she will make her full-moon lunar eclipse opposition around midday, or at least here on the Pacific coast. She will now be in her waning cycle and will remain in Aquarius until late Sunday when she moves into the compassionate water sign of Pisces. And so just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, also known as the connections that planets make, have a varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Whew, where do I begin? We, well, we're now officially in Leo, the lion season, and this week is one hell of a way to kick it all off. Um, and there's likely to be considerable drama in the air as we have some major transits and a full moon total lunar eclipse in Aquarius later in the week. Venus meets Neptune in an illusory dance. Um, we're challenged by the unexpected and the repressed when the sun meets both Uranus and Mars retrograde. And Venus also talks deep matters with the lord of the underworld, Pluto. Um, and did I mention Mercury officially goes retrograde in Leo? Sounds like a lot, right? Well, to be frank, it is. Uh, so let's dive in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Sagittarius, and she will square Venus and then Neptune. Um, and we don't have any transits yet, but don't worry, there's plenty coming down the line. Um, so for Monday, the bottom line is that the Sagittarius moon has us feeling rather restless and needing independence, which can push the boundaries or of our relationships or where we might want to dissolve the boundaries as we are on approach to tomorrow's Venus-Neptune opposition. So find compassion for the self and what you're experiencing. And remember, sometimes life necessitates a little risk. And if you feel a little antsy, exercise can certainly help on a day like today Um, or a little mini adventure to do something or go somewhere you haven't been before. Now, on Tuesday, uh, we have the moon still in Sagittarius for a little bit, and then she will move to Capricorn. Uh, And on the way, she'll trine Mercury uh, and trine Uranus and then conjunct Saturn. Um, And so our transit of note on Tuesday is we have Venus making an opposition to Neptune. And so here we have that Venusian principle of uh, relationships and relating and our creative self and more that feminine... um, you know, opening up desire. And so we have an opposition and oppositions usually have an outside force that's calling to us to make some type of choice or decision or where we have a tug of war of some sorts. And we're trying to get that objective bird's eye view. And when we're dealing with Neptune, we are dealing with things such as disillusion, removal of boundaries, um, loss, or confusion or doubt, um, but also the spiritual and, you know, what we dream for. And so here we have uh, basically mutable Earth, because Venus is in Virgo, meeting mutable water with Neptune in Pisces. Um, And so I kind of look at this versus perfection versus compassion in some ways. Um, And so we kick off this week's plethora of planetary aspects with this, you know, relationship Venus meeting the hazy waters of Neptune. Um, And because Venus is in Virgo, it's a sign known for its detail and its perfectionist tendencies. Um, And with that opposition, I have a feeling Venus will not be seeing as clearly as she would like to this week. We may be confronted with our ideals and relationships where we gloss over the details, wearing those rose-colored glasses in the hopes that the romantic lens will cover any of those too-good-to-be-true qualities. Or it could be the other way around where we are lacking compassion for the partnerships in our lives because we are only focusing on the imperfections and the unrealistic ideals that no one can live up to. So also keep an eye out uh, as there's a possibility of deception from others. So a healthy sense of doubt and a discerning eye will help clear the fog. Uh, So try to meet in the middle this week in regards to what you encounter. And if a relationship is to to dissolve, you know, find the compassion in your heart to let it go with love. Um, and, you know, Neptune transits are tricky because we, it's, you know, it is confusing. It does have doubt there. And sometimes the doubt is good and sometimes it's not warranted. Um, and so it can be a little tricky to deal with these uh, transits at times. And so the bottom line for Tuesday is this is a two-part day where we have Luna still experiencing the expansive energy of Sagittarius before moving into the contractive vibe of earthy Capricorn. Uh, Embracing reality from a pragmatic approach will be necessary. Otherwise, we may find ourselves a little down in the dumps with that conjunction to Saturn. 
Emotions will be on the long term, and we may need to innovate our approach in order to feel more liberated. Venus and Neptune officially meet, as I discussed previously, and the Sun-Uranus square is on approach and likely to be felt today, which I'm going to talk about here in a second. Um, And so we might be initiated in some events that are at lightning speed that can change our course in some way, because that's usually what happens when Uranus is involved. So a little word to the wise um, on Tuesday and the days surrounding is events start to pick up now, and we have several days of strong transits that can create significant experiences. Um, So you can kind of see this as the threshold to our eclipse experience. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is officially in Capricorn, and we'll be there the whole day, and we'll make a sextile to Jupiter and then to Neptune. And so we have two major transits happening that on Wednesday. Um, first, we have that uh, sun square Uranus I was just talking about, uh, where we have the sun, which is, you know, that life-giving vitality, the self. Uh, a lot of times, a page turns when we have a transit to the sun um, for Monday in astrology. And once again, squares are events where we have to take action or we're challenged. There's friction in some way. And it's really nobody's fault. We just have to uh, move beyond it. And Uranus is that planet of fast, unexpected change, a turnaround, an awakening of some sort, uh, where we need to be feel free or liberate. Um, and they can, that can create sudden storms that arise because we are looking for that, um, that liberation. And so this can be a challenging transit as it's likely to bring about an unexpected event that we have to spring into action to address. And especially with Mercury turning retrograde, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, uh, and a lunar eclipse on the horizon, the party seems to, you know, get started here in some respect. There will be a strong urge to rebel against any constraints or confines uh, with the desire to obtain greater freedom in your situation. And since this is happening in both fixed signs, since we have the sun now in Leo and Uranus in Taurus, you may be disrupted from a routine that you are normally fixated in, and that can cause distress and breakdown in your everyday approach. Uh, so take what you encounter with stride, as this can induce accidents if we're if it's rushed into uh, too hastily. So rather than getting all fired up, take this time to look at what is causing the stress, stress, and see how you can you know get creative and take action to initiate changes in those areas yourself. Um, especially with that Sun-Mars retrograde that is approaching as well, that um, opposition that we'll be experiencing in a couple of days. So yes, Wednesday, significant. <laughs> and also significant because we have Mercury stationing retrograde. And just a little reminder, I talked with Cassandra Tyndall last week. Uh, she, uh, she was my special guest, and we talked about this Mercury station and some tips um, to deal with the energy and what you might expect. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and take a take uh, some time to do so. Um, so, okay, Mercury, officially stationing from uh, on July 25th, uh, and will be retrograde until August 18th. And so we've been in the shadow period, which started on July 7th, and the shadow will remain until September 1st, uh, when Mercury meets its original stationing point. 
Um, and so those are this is all kind of a hot spot time, especially since we have Mars retrograde as well. And they're basically in opposing signs, which is also interesting. Um, and so this week is one of the most potent times in that retrograde cycle, in the whole retrograde cycle. Um, because as I was saying, Mars is retrograde and reaching its halfway point in its cycle. And so we have that serious retrograde action in the mix. And so with Mercury stationing, um, and you know, these are hot spot days where things just don't quite go as planned. <laughs> um, so communications, scheduling, transactions, transportation, and other things Mercury related is likely to be a bit on the fritz at this time. So keep that in mind as we go through the week. Especially with Mars retrograde, we might normally... Um, uh, you, you know, we normally would see that Mercury retrograde frustration uh, bleed over into that Mars retrograde. Uh, so there is a chance of miscommunication and misdirected anger this week as well. When both of those functions are kind of going backward and, and slow and stopped a little, uh, it can misplace the target to some extent. Um, but as far as the whole period is concerned, here are some suggestions on how to best utilize uh, this particular Mercury stationing retrograde. Because I really think that, you know, especially being in opposite signs um, in le- from the Mars retrograde, I think that our mind is trying to reconnect with our hearts again um, and reconnect with our own joy so that we can act once Mars moves forward on what it is that we, you know, have come to terms with. Um, and we can do so by finding more room for play and to let loose a little bit and to maybe experiment with new forms of self-expression. But more on the down low, because this is a retrograde, so you're not want to just come out with it now. <laughs> but more you can kind of like play with it a little bit and see how that feels and, you know, try it on for size. Um, and also listen to that intuitive faculty that might be trying to come up, especially in these stationing retrograde days, as fire likes to rise up. Um, so whatever is rising up within you now is meant to be heard. So be sure to honor that. And so the bottom line for Wednesday is today has an element of the unexpected and things may not go as planned as Mercury stations and the sun meets Uranus. And we're also approaching tomorrow's Sun-Mars retrograde opposition. So stay as practical as possible and take the opportunity to grow through release while also focusing on what you want to change and how you want to put those decisions into motion down the line. Work with the energy and keep your dreams close to your side. These are definitive days for setting up our future reality. And so on Thursday, the moon is still in Capricorn and will trine Venus very early in the morning, um, at least here on the Pacific coast, and then conjunct Pluto, which is always fun. (laughs) Um, More on that in a second. Uh, But let's talk about the main aspect of the day, and that is Sun, the sun uh, making its opposition to Mars retrograde. And this is known as the halfway point in our Mars retrograde cycle. Um, it, as the warrior planet, that is Mars, uh, you know, f- focusing on that focus, just that focused action, our drive, where we're directing our motivation, you know, what we're dedicated to, uh, where there might be anger um, or accidents that can come up. So this is kind of a day to just be care, you know, be aware and be careful and don't fly off the handle because there's other ways to deal with this energy because you might find yourself in a situation that you weren't asking for uh, and you <laughs> you don't want to deal with uh, past the point. Um, 
But, you know, once again, the sun, it's our vitality. It's that turning of a page moment. And the opposition puts us uh, before choices that need to be made and decisions um, and have us to our two states of awareness uh, going in a tug of war of some, you know, in some regards. So this can be a little bit of a volatile force because this challenge from the sun can bring out internalized energy that's been gestating within our unconscious. Uh, so if you have a planet or an angle in your chart at four degrees, uh, you know, give or take a few degrees of fixed signs, which are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius, you're really going to be feeling this aspect and the lunar eclipse that is on approach for tomorrow. Uh, in fact, you're probably going to be feeling it very strongly. So just if you have your charts, um, you know, take a look. Um, and if you don't, that is what us astrologers are for. <laughs> Um, so, in, you know, I feel that the sun and Mars, we're going to feel this heat. We're going to feel the sun and Mars's heat because they're both planets that give off heat, especially Mars. Um, and, you know, probably the folks I was just talking about, those fixed sign folks are probably going to be in the thick of it, uh, you know, more than everyone else. And so past frustrations are now rising up to be confronted for conscious awareness and integration. So if you're feeling particularly moody or have events and circumstances that bring up past anger, this can be a valuable time for release and a change of active direction. And if the change doesn't happen then, it will give you something to reassess for the remaining period of Mars retrograde, which will be through the rest of August. A complete reevaluation may be needed so you can fully reclaim your power going forward. And so we may feel all of this today, but it's most likely to all culminate when the moon meets Mars tomorrow, right before our full moon lunar eclipse. Um, so basically, you can consider the 24th through the 27th as very potent um, astrologically. <laughs> so be aware. And so the bottom line for Thursday is today we get a look at where we want to push the boundaries of our personal story and what may need to be transmuted and released in order to do so, especially with that moon conjunction to Pluto. So we will get a good look at the hard work that will be necessary for our ambitions and our future achievements, and we will be faced with making a choice on how to proceed. Emotions get intense, and if we can dig deep into ourselves, we will find a metamorphosis that is just waiting to happen. Now, on Friday, it is here, da, 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 our full moon lunar eclipse in Aquarius. And this is a strong lunar eclipse because it's very close to those north, that north node uh, in the south node, specifically the south node, which I'll get into here. Um, and so on the day of the full moon lunar eclipse, uh, Luna will square Uranus, conjunct Mars, and then make that opposition to the sun, which makes the eclipse. And so... Uh, all, you know, we do have the eclipse happening, which I'm going to get into in a second, but we also have Venus trining Pluto that day. And so once again, these relationship qualities and this, what we open up to um, in our creative selves, our creative lives is now flowing and and just uh, moving rapidly uh, towards this Plutonian principle, which is transformation, um, situations that cause great change in our lives and where we have to uh, kind of dive into Alice's rabbit hole. And the only way is through. Um, so I think a lot of what we've experienced during that Venus opposition to Neptune a little earlier in the week will now be trining the changes of Pluto. Um, and so, you know, that 
intense emotional material is likely to be flowing once again, especially since we have a full moon on our hands. Um, and we're going to be uh, feeling our partnerships very deeply. And that can happen a lot of times during full moons because essentially the sun is opposing the moon and it, it brings um, partnership and, and the other or the shadow uh, material to our lives. And so this can be a great time to dive in and take a look at our relations with a practical eye, because, you know, uh, <laughs> it's always good to do so, um, because Pluto wants us to gain honest insight into the situation. And these are both happening in Earth signs. So we are looking at this practical um, reality of it all. Uh, and desire will most likely be up on that physical realm, as I was saying, um, and creating a profound connection in some regards. Uh, so if a relationship is going through great changes, this can be an excellent time to transform the energy and reconnect on a more stable ground. Um, and if, like I said earlier, it just needs to dissolve, I feel like we can almost make peace with it at this time. Um, and if you're an artist, you may feel deeply inspired today. So let out whatever you're feeling through the medium of your choice. And so now with that full moon lunar eclipse in Aquarius, um, here we're culminating to that total eclipse of the heart, or shall I say from the heart as the earth eclipses the sun, uh, which is in Leo and the moon in Aquarius, um, which the moon is currently conjunct Mars retrograde and our south node that's in Aquarius. Um, and as I titled our guest segment this week, Catalytic Motion, I have a feeling that this lunation will certainly trigger a stream of events that can definitely change the scope of our lives in some way, particularly if you have a planet within zero to eight degrees of a fixed sign, like I was saying earlier, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius. And so I won't get into too much detail about it here, as I'll be talking with Lisa Allen in more depth later on in the episode, but I will say there is a releasing funnel-type energy with this full moon lunar eclipse uh, conjunct that south node and Mars retrograde. This will be a prime time to release whatever keeps us out of alignment with our hearts calling and our authentic form of expression. And what started at the new moon solar uh, eclipse um, a few weeks prior will now be culminating for celebration or release. And just looking at the chart, I have a feeling it will be more on the release side of things. A solid takeaway for this full moon is to make sure that you are doing... Um that what you're doing in life and where you're putting your energy should be aligned with the heart. And if you're doing something for societal approval or getting mired down in social or political life, uh, you know, take a step back and reconnect with your solar guide. Because that sun in Leo in its, in, in its domicile is gui guiding the way. So follow that light. And so for the bottom line for Friday is this is, you know, this could be a heck of a day with a lunar eclipse energy in the air. The moon is now in the early degrees of the airy detached sign of Aquarius. Uh, we have events and challenges around unexpected feelings that may get us riled up around an issue that could benefit from release and liberation during the eclipse. Um, so this can be an excellent time for meditation and connecting with ourselves or in a group setting because it is happening in Aquarius. So let go of what no longer serves, align with your spirit, and let it, you know, let that energy push you and to push the boundaries of what the future holds for you because Aquarius is all about the future. Um, and we have Mars out of bounds right now that I'm learning more about and it's absolutely fascinating. And I'm feeling Lisa's going to talk about it later here today, but we are pushing the boundaries in some way. So keep that in mind. 
Now, on Saturday and throughout the rest of the weekend, we have done the transits. We have made it through. <laughs> um, and so now the, you know, the moon's still in Aquarius and we'll square Jupiter rather early in the morning, at least here on um, uh, in the United States. And so the bottom line for Saturday is that today we get a bit of a break, uh, most likely starting the day off feeling maybe a little challenged by the growth that has commenced, you know, with that square to Jupiter. Uh, so let yourself detach and look at your life from a more objective and intellectual approach. Uh, look for ways to innovate your life and bounce those ideas off of friends because uh, we can now give each other comfort by listening and gaining a higher perspective. And so on Sunday, we have the moon still in Aquarius, uh, and she'll move into Pisces later on in the afternoon. Um, and on the way, she'll oppose Mercury rather early in the morning, uh, She'll sext- and then sextile Uranus and Saturn. And so the bottom line for Sunday is this is another two-part day. We are still in that heady airspace of Aquarius for most of the day until Luna moves into the compassionate water of Pisces in the evening. So we'll have the opportunity to release and transition from a lot of what has happened this week and may feel the need to kind of go off on our own to access our inner knowing and what the soul is trying to communicate for the long term. And so, you know, all the feels may arrive, and if they do, just let it go and let it flow. And so to wrap it up here, um, as you can see, we have quite the week in store. Life-changing transits if your chart is caught up in the mix of some of the things I discussed earlier. So keep in mind that what is happening now may take a while to fully manifest as eclipses take roughly six months to really become fully apparent and our slew of retrograde planets still have us doing rigorous amounts of inner work. And so if all that wasn't enough, let's take a look at the cards uh, that I pulled this week because it seems to add another little dimension to what's going on. And so this week I chose the nine of pentacles as the focus and the two of pentacles as the grounding. And with the nine of pentacles as the focus, the theme of self-reliance seems to come to mind initially. And the woman you typically find on the Nine of Pentacles is in the garden of her making, surrounded by her own accomplishments that have sprouted from her wise use of personal resources. She has provided herself great security by staying self-disciplined and taking action on her own. And this woman knows she is in control of her life and has the grace to make the best out of whatever situation she finds herself, turning it into accomplishment in the end. Independence and standing on your own may be required this week in order to gain greater control and security in life. A mission may need to be accomplished, and you are the only person for the job. And so with the Two of Pentacles card as the grounding, it doesn't actually provide much grounding as it is a card that deals with change and remaining flexible within the changing tides. So going with the flow and dealing with several problems at the same time may be necessary, and the ability to adapt will be of crucial importance. And since we have both pentacles as our cards, chances are the changes happening and the self-reliance needed will be reflected in the material realm, where what we have and hold may be shifting. Choices may be presented to us, and we must be open to changes. So tap into your inner confidence to know you have what it takes to make the right moves and come out on top. And last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the koala. This adorable marsupial... 
I can't even say that. That's funny. This adorable marsupial (laughs) comes up this week to remind us of the power of listening. With so much going on right now, we may try to talk our way out of situations we encounter or defend ourselves rather than really opening up and hearing what another person has to say. But by doing, you know, this, we disrupt intimacy and the subtlety of the body and its expression. Uh, So most importantly, you know, we end up closing ourselves off from feeling empathy for another or even for ourselves if we're not listening to our internal directive. So take the time to listen this week, truly listen to what is happening all around you and from within. By doing so, you'll have greater understanding of your situation and the world around you. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how it will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Whether you're just starting your journey with the cards or you're a seasoned expert, the weekly spread can be of immense help to getting a personalized overview for the week. And so every Sunday, I release a short video uh, outlining a custom spread while encouraging you to share your cards and your questions. Um, I also highlight a particular crystal to work with and an inspirational quote to get you kind of thinking. Um, And so last week, we worked on honesty, integrity, and emotional release. And this week, we are going to, of course, be working on that total lunar eclipse in Aquarius. So if you want to find out more, you can check out a freebie spread at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'd love to welcome my special guest for this week, Lisa Allen. So much, thank you so much for being here. (laughs) I'm so happy that you brought me here. I love energetic principles and it's awesome. Uh, Well, I love you, Lisa, and I'm glad you're here uh, with us today. And Lisa's another local San Diegan who's part of our San Diego Astrological Society. So I always like to give our society a little little bump there. Um, and you know, we've, we've been talking a while now here because we had some technical issues going on as Mercury is almost ready to station and other things are going on. Um, so of course, but I'm glad we got you here. You're here. And so let's find out more. Lisa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I'm Lisa Allen. I'm an astrologer. I'm a master herbalist. That's what the MH is for. Um, I'm also a tarot reader, a dowser and in particular, a timing expert. I'm one of the people that do timing and it's odd because I do it with a pendulum and then I reverse engineer it with astrology. So it depends on the issue. It's just faster for me to do it that way. Um, The pendulum will tell me when, and then I look it up and I'm like, oh, you know, Jupiter's going retrograde or whatever it is that's happening on that day. Usually it's a change in the moon. It's usually new or a full moon, almost always. Interesting. So perfect for a Capricorn, right? To be in timing. (laughs) Perfect for a Capricorn. (laughs) Yes. Got the the pendulum right here. (laughs) She's ready. ready. Don't forget to leave out, Lisa, that you are uh, an author published a few times over. Yes. I've I've had many articles published in about, well, it's over two dozen uh, Llewellyn annuals now. And I also have a couple of tiny articles, like vignette type articles in moon books um, for about two or three different books with them too. Um, But I have a first book deal with Llewellyn on timing, actually. We don't have a name for it yet, but I'm working on that. (laughs) And I have like, you know, possibly some other exciting news coming up 
I don't know the details yet, so I can't share, but. Uh, well, hey, you know. It's with other projects that I yeah. have, which, you know, like us creative types, Mel, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We're, we're always doing some kind of little, you know, like back stove cooking stuff. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we are in the midst of a lot of retrograde, so keeping it under wraps <laughs> right now seems rather fitting. It's probably a good idea. Yes, but you're giving them a taste of something oh, indeed. down indeed. the line. I love it. So today, Lisa and I are going to wrap about, uh, I titled it Catalytic Motion, Total Lunar Eclipse in Aquarius. Um, And we were just joking before we started hit record, you know, what's left to say? Because it is a hot topic. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on first. So there's plenty to say, but many astrologers have been talking about it. uh, Yeah. um, And for some time now. So I, you know, Lisa, where do we begin? (laughs) Goodness. Well, I think that a good place to begin is like just on the uh, astronomy part of it. This is the longest lunar eclipse of the century. And I mean, 2000 to 2099. If you look at all of the lunar eclipses, this is the longest one. And I also find in, in, in time, how long it takes to actually eclipse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Meaning that um, the from the beginning of the eclipse till the end of the eclipse, mm-hmm. that that yeah, I, that's what I mean by the longest. I, yeah. I should probably have specified that. That's but okay. <laughs> it, it, it is a total eclipse. We can't see it, but the other side of the world will see it. Yeah, India and uh, yeah, and, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Asia, India, and I I think parts of Europe too. Not and sure I think uh, Southern Africa or is Southern yes. and Eastern yes. Africa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we, we will not be able to see it. We're in the wrong part of the world. Yeah, it'll be day, daylight. <laughs> we had that awesome solar eclipse last year, so. Yes, know. that Lisa got to see. You got, I to, got to see. Yeah, I got to be in Idaho and see that, like, firsthand. And, like, nobody was around. It was awesome because we, we just had this little hidden sweet spot that we found. And, oh, it was amazing. I love very it. Very amazing. I, it was very unexpected. Because I, I haven't talked about it very much, but when Chrissy and I were there, my, it's my daughter, um, I thought that everything would go black because that's what I'd heard, you know, that it would be kind of a nighttime. That didn't really happen. The corona was giant. Mm-hmm. And I understood from some other people that witnessed it. It's like, yeah, the corona was larger than with other eclipses that, you know, like if you're in that shadow. So... Yeah, um, and I remember at one point it made like a perfect pentagram, like it was awesome. <laughs> well, it sounds very like, mystical, oh, yes. <laughs> you know. I didn't expect it. Because, yes, I didn't. I did not expect it because I thought it was just going to go black and then like show up again. And yeah, yeah it, it it was like it just got kind of dusky, and but the corona was just giant, like it was really crazy. Yeah. So, yes. On that note. Yes. Let's get back to the lunar eclipse mm. because it's happening kind of at the sort of at the same time of year, like you know, like a little bit, you know, summerish, you know. Yeah. And I think that this lunar eclipse has a lot more of a punch than what we realize. We think, oh, it's a lunar eclipse in Aquarius, and you know, we'll just get through it like you know, we do all of the other eclipses that are every six months. This one, I think, is a little different because, first off, the length of it, and we talk as astrologers about how impactful eclipses are by the length of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
I think that the length by itself says that there's going to be more of a, like a, of an impact of revealing. So we talk about eclipses being revealings of what you didn't know before, what was hidden. Mm. And a lot of times those things are truth. Um, we love truth when we're like really open for it so we can get really good opportunities. But most people, you know, they don't like the truth or at least, you know, they say they do and kind of really don't. So the truth ends up being very, you know, like slamming for them. Like they'll get an experience that might not be so pleasant. So yeah, and it well, just and depends. I've, I had, I've been having some good pre-eclipse moments. Um, I've, I've had some recent opportunities open up that, I mean, I've waited for like 10 years. Mm. So I can't really complain. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you were not in the hot spot. At least yet. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. It's actually um, interestingly, this particular one is on my part of fortune. Which, depending on the house system that you use, it would be in the eighth or the ninth house. And I, I think, just by what's happening, it's in the ninth house because publishing is there. Yeah, absolutely. Like you yeah. said, you that book deal just uh, came book around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some other stuff going on. I can't, the like, down again, low. I can't the down low. <laughs> too small, too, too much, too little of information. I don't want to like jinx it. You know yeah, I mean? No, I don't like, want you to jinx don't, it either. Don't say anything. It's like but, a birthday wish. You got to hold it in. Exactly. In. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Uh, or energetic birthday as my friend Mooncat, Melissa Mason calls, uh, our, when the sun crosses our ascendant, she'll call that our energetic birthday. Oh, and I mean, that makes sense. I just, I had mine um, like on June 19th, June 20th, kind of. Yes, because so, you are Gemini um, rising, that's, right? That was my rising. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So um, uh, anyway, so I think that um, just the length of it is pretty telling. Um, mm-hmm. It's at four degrees Aquarius, which is on my part of fortune. So I'm like, yes, open up the fortune gate. I, I'm good with that. Um, I'm hoping that there, maybe there's some other people with it hitting part of fortune. I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect. It's not like really on the astrology books to look up, you know, like yeah, that how, type of place how mm-hmm. an eclipse when it's on your part of fortune, you know, <laughs> just, well, yeah. these are the valuable times, Lisa, where you get to actually uh, share <laughs> what it is that you find for that placement. Cause as astrologers, we have to yes, live it, right? I gotta get there, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So I will be sharing later. Um, I will say, though, that um, with the Mars energy there, and Mars is really close because of the retrograde, and it's closer than 2003. And then I remember in 2003, when it was in Pisces, it was the closest it had been to the Earth in like centuries, as I remember. Mm. So we're like in the second place of how close it is (laughs) in centuries, okay? And it'll be ex- like, it'll be the closest on the day of the lunar eclipse, which I think is, that can't be a coincidence. Okay. So it's also out of bounds, meaning Mars, the planet is out of bounds and it hasn't even been in Aquarius to Capricorn since the seventies. And yeah. I don't even know if that one, the seventies one was out of bounds. I should look it up. But well, out of bounds, be, yeah. Tell, tell people what out of bounds, out is. of bounds. Okay. So what it is, is that there's there's like longitude, which is like, you know, Aries, Taurus, Gemini. And, and those are measured from the earth, like going into those parts of the ecliptic. 
but there's another measurement that goes across so that it's up or down. Kind of like how our equator is and the Tropic of Cancer, that's where the sun hits its rays, okay? And then the Tropic of Capricorn, that's where the sun hits its rays when it's at, in, you know, at, the, at the solstice. So the solstice points are held by those places. And then the equator is when it turns into zero Aries or zero Libra, depending on the direction it's going. What happens is that in declination, that the planets kind of do that also. Like, so they have this up and down motion as well as the vertical motion that goes across. And when they meet up, oh, we get an eclipse, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's a, just a regular new moon or, you know, we don't like, yeah. So when planets are out of bounds in a north, like when it's northern, like IE cancer, Gemini cancer, when it's, when it's out of bounds, like past the Tropic of Capricorn, or I'm sorry, past the Tropic of Cancer when it's more north than that, we're, the planets are kind of uncontrollable, but they usually work in our favor. It's easier to access the energy. Mm. So that, like, say that Mars, I, okay, I have a story here. I have a couple of people I know that had Mars out of bounds in Cancer in their natal charts. Now, you would think that because of the detriment of Mars in Cancer, that it would be like really hard to control that Mars or that something, you know, might, you know, accident or like, or whatever, you know, Cancer, you know, has its own thing going on or that they would run out of energy fast and, and things like that. But these two people were extremely athletic and they were like, if you will, like, you know, they took big risks and, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to break this record and do all of this stuff. And they just did it and they didn't, they didn't have any fear. So I thought that that was very interesting as far as like a Mars and cancer and they don't have any fear. Like what's going on here? And it, and I think that the out of bounds placement for both of them had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. And interesting, like that one of those people like actually walks on fire and she never had to like really be trained. She actually just walked on the coals and it was like natural. It was fine. I thought it was funny. Cancer, like water sign, right? Yeah. Like putting the high heat I, I out, wonder, like, like the souls or I'm like water. my Mars and Capricorn is like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> so, That's I just thought it was really interesting. And by the way, that lady has like some Scorpio placements in her chart too. So I just you know, um, and she, and Pisces placements too. So she has a lot of water and I'm guessing that the Scorpio part really helps with the risk taking, you know, also. Well, it's interesting that you say that Lisa, because I'm thinking of a friend of mine that has, um, she's a, she's actually a double Pisces born on a Pisces, um, just before a Pisces new moon. Um, and she's a cancer rising with Mars conjunct her rising um, early on in cancer. So her, I'm assuming her Mars is out of bounds and she was very, a, a successful water polo champion. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is a perfect signature. And I'll bet if you do look, it's probably out of bounds. Um, I have a, a friend of mine that also has Mars, but um, she's a quintuple Scorpio and mm-hmm. she has Mars on her ascendant along with, with the sun and the moon, and, and I believe Neptune. And then, let's see, there's another planet, I thought, too. I, and I don't remember what it is right now, and I, and I forgive me. That's okay. <laughs> we're a little off topic. We're anyways. all a little <laughs> off but, but We're um, out of bounds, Lisa. <laughs> uh, I know, right? And, and yeah, how, how non-Capricorn is that? 
So she actually is really good with like, you know, running and sports and all of those kinds of things. Like she's very, like she's sporty and she likes to work out and she likes to get going and she likes to put energy in things. But um, she also has like, you know, like, cause she gets going too fast she's ungrounded and she can have like, you know, accidents and stuff like that. Not just, not like car so much, but like, you know, she'll hit her hand or, you know, like those kinds of things and, you know, drop knives and, (laughs) you know, those kinds of things. But um, anyway, back to Mars. So when it's out of bounds in the Southern, okay. And these are like any planet that is out of bounds And by the way, Saturn never goes out of bounds. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) The sun makes the boundary on like planet Earth with the Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn. So um, most of the planets have a time where they're in the, if they're in Gemini Cancer, like in longitude, you want to look and see if they're out of bounds in the northern part. And if they're out of, if they're like in Sagittarius Capricorn, you want to see if they're out of bounds in the Southern part. And sometimes even in, because it's not exact, sometimes even in some of the fixed signs, like we have it in Aquarius right now and it's out of bounds, This, but it's out of bounds in the Southern hemisphere. And what has been determined from any research that I've ever seen about declinations, you can talk to um, Tony Howard, um, and if you can get a hold of Weston, she's really, really busy a lot, but they have a lot more knowledge about declinations than I do. But from anything that I understand about them, the southern, the southern out of bounds planets are way harder to control. So you can't like just capture the energy like how the ones in Cancer that you you know like if they're out of bounds in the northern part, you can't just capture them and say, "Cool, I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to win." <laughs> it's it's more like you still. Like, you know, the out of bounds part might be like, okay, I'll take the risk, but you don't win. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because we have that Mars. So here we have Mars uh, conjunct our lunar eclipse in Aquarius, which is also conjunct the south node. Uh, So would you say that uh, kind of that... um, that And the south node means loss. I mean, a lot of times, like the north node is bringing energies in and the south node takes energies out. Yeah. Well, would you so, equate that to the I declination the as well? Last, um, um, okay, so the, the nodes are a little bit different because they're like with the moon. But yeah, I mean, there's there's something definitely going on there. Okay, like, like I, I guess what I'm saying is, so here we have a difference between north declination and out of bounds that go north versus uh, the southern declination and out of bounds that go south. Would you equate uh, some of that out of bounds south energy to kind of be kind of south node-ish? Esque, you know what I mean? Or are those two different things? Yes, yes, uh, yes, I do. Um, It's not the same thing though. So I just, I don't want to confuse people and think that it's identical. Um, It's not. It's two separate things because one is based on the sun and the earth that, you know, the ecliptic and all of that. And the other one, which is the nodal pattern, is based on the moon. And, and the, you know, like its cycle, which is a, a different overlay. You probably know that. And that's where you get the North and South node from because, okay. So like, let's say that like a level thing here is the ecliptic and then the moon's like kind of coat, like, you know, kind of X's it, if you will. And then the point where if, when the moon is going upwards, it's North node. Okay. And then when the point with the moon is going South, it's the South node. So that's where you get the North and South node. 
So it's a different cycle. It is interesting, though, that Mars would be out of bounds according to the Earth and Sun cycle at the same time that the South Node, which is lost and, you know, Southern and like all, like all of the South part, that they're coinciding together at the same time and the same day and like the same, you know, like the height of intensity is at the same time. So I don't, I don't think that, you know, and, and with Mars ruling Aries, and Scorpio, I think that there's a lot of stuff there. I, I think that there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this lunar eclipse and all the configurations just in general and how many transits that we are having this week that are very, you know, here we have Mars retrograde that's now in the middle of its cycle, making that opposition to the sun. Um, exactly. And exactly. that's very important. And just Mercury just decides to go retrograde in the same week. <laughs> uh, yeah, just because, I mean, just add a little bit more, you know, like trickster energy. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it's kind of crazy. And not to mention that Uranus is in this T-square uh, with the Sun and Mars as well. So uh, there's a lot of, like you're saying, like the South yeah. Node can be with loss, Um but it also, I mean, it can bring things back from the past too, because when we have South node energy, yeah. um, so maybe dealing with the loss of a past, yeah. past, um, yeah, well, and I, I would say with Uranus involved in a square, that feels like sudden loss that, that could also be, and I remember in other people's charts when sun, or I'm sorry, when Mars and Uranus were making squares and stuff that like, they might get in accidents or, you know, things like that. So, but there is a higher purpose to Uranus. And I, and I think that, you know, um, I'm, I think that you were at Maurice Fernandez's talk when he talks about that the, the energy of Uranus is to make something a higher expression than it was before. And I think that if it is, and what the problem with, you know, Uranus is, is that it doesn't have any room for a lower expression. So it just kicks it out, you know, and says, get out of here. And then it's like Mars out of bounds. I mean, like the South Node, um, you know, out of bounds in the South part, you know, where we can't really like control it. Um, I'm sure that there is something to do with that. I think that you're right about that. Well, it's interesting because I watched on um, uh, Cosmic Intelligence Agency's uh, website yesterday, had Adam Gainsberg, who I really like, um, on talking about uh, Mars retrograde and conjunct the South Node and obviously coming towards this eclipse. Um, and we were just, and he was just talking about, we, like I was there. I was watching. <laughs> well, you were because I you were watching I wish I was. Uh, I love the internet. Yes. And so he was talking about how, um, you know, if something's out of bounds, uh, about pushing the boundaries in that area. And so, I mean, he wasn't going with the, the north-south difference. Uh, he was kind of making it look like you could kind of push the bounds um, with anywhere, you know, like uh, with your, you know, that Mars principle. Try. People will try. try. I think it'll probably be a little better in Capricorn because of the, um, the exaltation. Exactly. But I still think that there's some, you know, there's some dangerous times that could be coming like for people that like overestimate their abilities with the Mars energy. And that's an interesting point, yeah. especially you know, to over, yeah. overdo it, overstep their boundary with, you know, and not have that, like that natural hold back of like, Hey, let's see what, like, let's see what happens. And like, like, and then act, you know, that thinking and acting first could be yeah. a little bit problematic. And then, as you said, Mercury just going retrograde to mess up the communications. 
Yes, there. That's the thing that seems <laughs> tricky about this week. Like you said, there's a lot of trickster energy out there, and things yes. might not be as they seem. Especially since I mean, we have Venus opposing Neptune in this week too, and so there's a lot yeah. of there's basically every single planet up in the mix except Saturn. But Saturn is the ruler of the lunar eclipse, so I mean, every planet <laughs> right. is getting its say, say this week. It seems yes. Yes. Well, yeah. And I think, well, I think Saturn and Capricorn is just having its nice time anyway. Honestly, it's like, yes, I'm back. You know, I'm back. That's been, that's been since this winter. And I have to tell you, I've been digging it because I've been getting stuff done. Um, so not as quickly as I'd like, again, with all the retrogrades this summer that kind of like put the brakes on a lot of things, but uh, other things are like, you know, they're just gently like popping out of the woodwork and so I have a feeling this winter I'm going to be really grinding it. But back to the eclipse, um, the other thing that I, don't, I didn't see on your list, but that it's also conjunct, that meaning the eclipse itself is also conjunct the black moon Lilith. Now, a lot of astrologers in America don't use the black moon Lilith, but some in Europe do, and I think in Australia too. I'm not sure about the Australia ones, but the black moon Lilith is a point in, okay, you know how in astronomy class, like, you know, when we were in college and whatever, you learned about binary systems, like where like two stars would rotate around each other, kind of like DNA. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. And our star is supposed to be like by itself. The black moon Lilith is as if we have a binary star and maybe something happened to it because there's some, you know, there's some feeling about that it that might be um, something that happened to it, but it's still like that. So like, for instance, like with, with Sirius A and B, which are two stars that rotate around each other, Sirius B is a dwarf star and it, and it, it's blackened. So you can't see it. Mm. Um, but it still rotates. It still does its thing. So it's like this kind of invisible energy. So I think that black moon Lilith is supposed to be about that. And I think that it's interesting that they would name it after the original scorned woman. Okay. Of course. <laughs> Pretty interesting that it would be conjunct this eclipse, the longest one in the century, by the way. Like, let's go back to that, right? So I feel that there could be a lot of clearing. Um, and by clearing, uh, there is a big death and rebirth energy packed in, even though it's not in Scorpio. I think that it, it, that energy is still there. I, I think that there's a huge, like, coming in of new energy and a leaving of old energy. So I, I mean, I could see it as a gateway, like even between like, you know, people that are going to pass and people that are being, being born too. Mm. like, it's, well, it's, it, funny it's you, a change. It's funny you say that, Lisa, because I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, imagine the babies that are born this week. I know. Like what, a what a planetary signature that they would have. Um, yes. And what would that mean? I mean, I don't necessarily have answers for that. I mean, I'm trying to figure it out in real time. Uh, yeah. But like you're saying, yeah, that, that's, that's significant. I, I would say that, uh, I mean, as a higher purpose, those babies probably came in to heal something huge. And, and it has something to do with the sun and Leo being the identity and, and really owning themselves and being self-sovereign and, and cut from like ancestors, past lives, all of that. And then the Aquarius piece with the independence, but yet still honoring everybody else's independence and their healing. So 
I, I don't know. I think that that would be very, a very interesting chart. <laughs> yes, it would. Yeah. Oh, so let's bring back. Black oh, wait, Moon they might Moon. be president because yeah. our president oh, currently has an eclipse pattern, but hey. Well, hopefully they'll be better. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with all that. I, I've been kind of on the neutral side with that because I'm kind of just watching. I think that there's something else going on that's not really visible. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to take sides. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just, I, I feel like there's something else that is not being shown to us. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that as well, because yesterday yeah. when on Adam Gainsburg's talk that I was watching on CIA, they, he was saying, um, cause he does a lot of work on the Mars cycles and he was saying when Mars right. meets its, uh, its opposition and it meets the opposition with the sun when it's retrograde, um, you would think that it'd be visible with this, you know, that Mars energy would be visible, but he finds that, uh, because it do- is doing that battle with the sun in a sense that that position makes things unseen or you're not able to, um, <laughs> it's not quite visible. So here <laughs> you are. exactly t- opposite. <laughs> Oh, Here you are talking exactly about that in, in, in our political affairs, wow. you know, societal affairs, because we are dealing yeah. with Mars and Aquarius, uh, yeah. Leo, that sense of leadership. And so here, like he was saying, Putin, yeah. Putin just met with, you know, Trump the other day and there, nobody, people were questioning, you know, what came out of that and um, what's really going yeah, on. Yeah, I feel that there's something way below the surface. Um, I'm hoping that the eclipses will reveal that. Because mm. I think it's going to be a huge surprise. I don't know what it is. It's just something I feel. So that's beyond astrology. So we're going to have to get I that won't. pendulum out and time it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, maybe we should just all be surprised. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. It'll be great, though. I have a feeling that something really good is coming in because I did have dreams that were symbolically of like clearing away all of the, like, if you will, the Mars kind of, um, you know, riffraff, the anger and people like going, you know, like, if you don't agree with me, screw you, I'm blocking you from my life. And, you know, just some of the behaviors that have like just completely come to a crescendo this year that I don't ever remember in like my history growing up that it's ever been this polarized. Yeah. I mean, me and, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's what, and that is exactly why I won't get polar, polarized in this whole thing. I will not join either side because I know that if you do that, then the human, you know, the human monkey mind brain starts getting involved and, you know, the news is actually, you know, kind of, you know, created to busy that monkey mind. And I just don't, yeah. I just, I can't do it now doesn't mean that I don't want to know what's going on because I have to, you know, like you, you know, you got to know it. You just can't attach to it. And you just know that there's a truth that's happening that like is not being seen on the, on the TV or on, you know, internet or anything right now. And I'm okay with that. I've had to become really okay with that. And well, maybe that's where that Mars uh, energy in Aquarius um, and the lunar yeah. eclipse in Aquarius can help because, you know, essentially Aquarius allows us to detach a bit. To detach. To oh, de- detach. Yes. But uh, that the would thing be is, good. I know. The thing is, though, and especially in our climate, we have to know how much to detach because there is oh. also the g- detaching too much and then you're so far removed. Um, yes. That- and that's why I still watch the news. I don't want to be so detached that I don't know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. So, but 
yeah, if, if I start feeling like my emotions getting involved, you know, yes. I know that it's like, uh Oh, this is a, this is a, you know, it's like, I got to back off because you got to know what's happening. But if you're getting pulled in into the monkey mind stuff and you know, there's just a lot of that right now that it, it's, you know, it'll make you crazy. And, and then when like, whatever the surprise is, cause I feel like I, I don't, I'm hoping that it comes by the eclipses even if it's like, if it's this one, awesome. If it's even the one on August 11th, awesome. I'm okay. Like, it's like, I'd love the eclipses to just show me what I'm feeling, you know, because yeah. I feel something really good coming, but something has to be cleared away. And I think that that's happening. Mm. Well, and that's a good you know? tie into the whole South Node. Yes. Um, and then having yeah, Mars out of bounds have, once there. Once you remove like energies that were of the past that are old and outworn, you have room for the new energies. And, you know, there's no, I, I think that on a spiritual level, there's no, um, like for people that are awake, you're already knowing that the earth is vibrating higher and humans are catching up. Yeah. You know, yes, humans are stuck behind. (laughs) Yeah, well, the difference is, is because animals and crystals and, you know, like even microbes, okay, viruses, everything. So when the earth had made a decision to, you know, raise its vibration and, you know, there, there could be helpers, maybe like, maybe not like, I I don't know, Um, you know, because I don't know if they're like, if they're like, yeah, if they're beyond 3D or not. Um, but it feels like it's higher. And there's even like studies that say that the earth is like, it has a higher tone, you know, like there's things in science that are showing that there's something going on, you know, possible pole reversal, like all kinds of things. And you can just look all of this stuff up. I can tell though, like on a feeling level that the earth is vibrating higher. Um, I believe that all the creatures that, you know, like animals and all of those, like uh, all collectively agreed to also be in the higher vibration. It's like, okay, earth, yes, we'll all raise too. But humans have a unique thing in that we have individual soul contracts. And so it's like the individual has to like agree to either ascend with the earth or that they don't. And everybody's contract is different. And sometimes some of the people that I understand came in to like kind of exit with the, you know, like they they came in to exit with the dark energies. Like that was their contract. And so it's not a judgment. It's like, it's just something that it's like, okay, the old is leaving, the new is coming in. So I just think that the eclipses, particularly this lunar eclipse is one of those gateways that ushers in a lot of new and ushers out a lot of old. Yeah, which is so fitting for Aquarius, you know, because here we are, Aquarius is very much concerned with the future. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I love what you're saying about, you know, uh, something that still has to be released so then we can kind of rise up as well. Because, you know, we have the sun in Leo, we have Mercury going retrograde in Leo, and so fire rises. Um, So something is rising up as well. Um, So I think that is a solid assessment, Lisa. Because, you know, no one wants to hear about loss, you know, with the South. What do you mean? What am I going to lose? What am I going to lose? Oh, wow. We have to choose to lose. um, You know, but... Here's the thing. If we look at it that we're losing the things that we don't want, oh, that would be okay. Yeah. If we're losing our health issues or if we're losing our, you know, like our our, um, shyness, 
Okay. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Like you feel empowered and then the new that would come in would be courage to replace the shyness? Yes, because we're looking at that Leo sun and that Leo north node. So whatever's coming in and whatever it is we're aligning ourselves to, A, is heart-based and authentic. Um, And and maybe that's where the loss has to come in because something doesn't suit us any longer, whatever that may be like. And so if I'm thinking about a full moon in any opposition, usually we're faced with a choice or a decision of some sort. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking we need to choose to lose during this. uh, Or you choose to be in the old energy. I mean, like meaning on your path, because not everybody is, you know, probably people that are in astrology are probably going to choose like the vibrating higher, but you know, like there's lots of people that don't, you know, like study astrology. They don't even look at astrology. They think it's fake or something, you know? Yeah. And um, that's okay, because maybe they are supposed to be part of the old energy that's, you know, like leaving. So um, the other thing that I would say about the sun and the north node is that I think that it is time to, like, in the old days, this was about the king energy. Mm -hmm. And I think in the current time, this is about being our own, like, royalty, meaning that we reclaim our own sovereignty and who we are and our personal power and be the, you know, the king of our, of our environment and our dominion and not just give that power away. That's what I've been noticing. And so, um, you know, cause the flip side of Aquarius is that, Hey, we're all like, you know, like a group and all of that. And, and the mistake I think is to give your power away in those group situations and allow others to, you know, make decisions for you. Not a good idea. I think that the part of Aquarius that we need is to, okay, so the part of Leo is owning our sovereignty. And then the part of Aquarius is allowing other people to own their sovereignty. Yes. And then we work together with that, not anybody sacrificing their personal power. Because in the old days, I think that, you know, you had to sacrifice your power. I think that we're coming to a new age now where, that, you know, and I mean, like, you know, the Kali Yuga ending and, you know, like there's lots of talk about that too. Um, well, there's something to be said about, age, you know, <laughs> there's something to be said about owning your personal power within the collective. Cause if we're all owning our personal power and then we come together with that sense of power, what can't be done? Exactly. Exactly. So I do find that, um, depending on, you know, dynamics, I, 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 I feel that there are some groups that really get it, meaning that, that their folks all are very very strong people. Because I think that like one of the lessons that I think that I've learned with um, groups is that the weakest link breaks the chain. Mm. Okay. So it's true. Whoever your weakest person is in that group is going to be how strong you are. Exactly. It's like one of those kinds of things. I mean, you can do all the upliftment that you want. And, and hopefully rise that person to not be in that space. But, you know, they have to also, you know, like do the work and, you know, we can't do the work for them. Yeah. And uh, so you, you just have to know about like how that works with groups. And I think that people think automatically, wrongly, groups equals better, you know, groups equals, you know, more resources, not necessarily with the weak link part, you know, like it, it actually could hurt you. <laughs> so yeah. that's where you, that's where the personal power Leo part comes in. So it's a balance of the two energies. I, I'm going to, you know, 
Although I do think that with South Node on the Aquarius side, I think that we all need to own our power a lot more than we need to, like, you know, give it up for the group. I think that we've been doing that kind of thing, you know, for a long time. Yeah. And um, nothing wrong with groups. Okay. I love yes. people. We and still I'm, need I'm people cool. come together. <laughs> <laughs> I have Saturn in Aquarius. So I'm down with Aquarius, but I also feel that um, we really all need to own our Leo. We need to own our inner queen or king, honestly. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I love the group analogy in the weakest link because, you know, being a musician for several years in groups, I know that better than most. (laughs) It can be very frustrating. And it's so true because no matter how good you are personally, if there is a person that is uh, weaker, um, yes, you know, and sometimes people are we- weaker because they don't have the same amount of talent, and that's okay. But sometimes people are weaker because they're not putting in the same amount of effort. Uh, right? And, and oh, yeah, or or making or actually ripping holes in you know the efforts that are made, made and by others. Cracking. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's huge stuff with that. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. a really that's a really good point and something to consider. Um, <laughs> something to consider, especially in in this climate, because um, it's it's very delicate. <laughs> it sure is <laughs> right now. It's so delicate. Um, well, you know, did we miss anything on the list? I'm at a loss for words, Lisa, <laughs> because I I don't even know what to say. I feel like I just have to live it in order to yes. understand it at this point. Yeah. Um, because yeah, well, and I guess none of us in this century have had, you know, the longest eclipse. So this is kind of interesting. I think that, um, you know, so we're all going to be living it in, in that way. Um, we do have a lot of things happening. And I think that even if, you know, I remember um, astrologer Donna Woodwell, who I just love, she says, um, you know, like she talks to her people in Astrology Hub and all of this. And she says, you know, astrology doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, you know, like with the cycles. So I think that we don't really know how it's going to look, but once it happens, like it'll be a surprise because that's, you know, that's just like what spirit likes to do. It's like, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Look at how, um, you know, you guys made this collective thing and look at, you know, like what's happening. And I think a lot of why we're here is to experience this, like to see what we all decided before we came here. Um, and to see what that looks like. Um, I, I, and I, and then like after it happens, then you go back and look at the astrology and you go, it matches exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty all the time. <laughs> but we are looking into future sight with a, with, you know, this Aquarius energy, um, and assessing what it is we're doing for the future by having all these retrogrades. And like you were saying, we haven't had a Mars retrograde in Aquarius since 1971, you yeah, know, right. I wasn't even born. And I don't even know if that one was out of bounds. Honestly, I have to look it up. I, I didn't yeah. even have time yet. Um, it, I might have been. Oh, well, no, I, I don't know. I'm looking at. I had. I to, don't know. Yeah, I don't, I I don't have know. To look it up. We have to claim ignorance here. <laughs> <laughs> That's Not okay. Sure. But but there's are there are ephemerities that we can look it up. So yes, no um, problem. So, you know, most of us uh, and probably a lot of my listeners, uh, because I know a lot of people are in my, probably my age range or a little, you know, a little younger, you know, they haven't, we haven't experienced uh, this yet, or I mean, no one has in this configuration, but, you know, especially Mars retrograde conjunct the South node 
in Aquarius, you know, these are parts of our chart that are, that are virgin in a sense that have not been touched yeah. by this. Um, I would say that. And I was born by, you know, I was born in 64. So I was like a whole fresh, you know, eight years old, or like seven yeah. or eight years old in 1971. I don't really remember, you know, um, so it's one of those kinds of things. I think that even some of us were, that were here already might end up with that virgin moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're all fresh. Uh, if we allow ourselves to be fresh, kind of blank slates in a way as we move through change, you know, that's how we're going to get the best out of it because we're open. Um, Absolutely. And open heart, definitely. Yeah. And especially in a Leo North node, you have to have an open heart. And for the Aquarius part, you want an open mind also. Mm. Like it's, it's a balance between them. But I would say if you're going to err on one side, open the heart more. Yes. You know, the mind can really be, you know, just, it can mess with you if you put it in charge over your heart. Yes. It's a mess. Well, let's align with that heart. And I think this is the perfect way for Absolutely. us to wrap up our segment uh, because, <laughs> you know, that's an important takeaway. And I yes. want people with yes. that. Um, so Lisa, tell people where they can find you, what you have going on, your website, you know, et cetera. Sure. Um, my website is intuitivetiming.com or astroherbalist.com. They both work and they both find me. And I am an astrologer, herbalist, dowser, even tarot cards. <laughs> so, um, And the dowsing part is how I do timing. Timing is my expertise and it, it's actually what the book with Llewellyn is going to be about. So I'm really excited about that. That book will probably be out in the winter of 2020. Yes. And so that's some time away, but I think you were just posting something, uh, yesterday about yes. you having an article you want to tell people about that. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. So Llewellyn for over a century has been creating the annual called the moon sign book. And it's kind of like the esoteric farmer's almanac really. Um, it's been, um, like because of all these years that it's been around, I've only gotten to be in it twice and this is the second time and I'm really excited. Um, I wrote an article about three lunar herbs so that oh. like they're, they're herbs that like astrologically, energetically match with the moon energies. So that's why I thought it was appropriate for the moon sign book. And yeah, Aaron, Aaron uh, at Llewellyn did a fantastic job. He made me like look really good again. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not that hard. Editor, no, seriously. <laughs> I don't know why books don't say, you know, title of the book and then have the editor and then little tiny print, the author. I'm not kidding. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, my editors make me look like amazing. Um, I, you know, I've done a little tiny bit of self-publishing, which is fine um, because, you know, some things need to be self-published. You just got to do it. Um, but as far as, Hang on, my mic just fell. <laughs> Mercury is here. <laughs> Mercury is in the house. Um, the uh, well, I guess. You're like, where was I going with that? I know it's like the mic fell, and it's yeah. like maybe it's, I just you literally did a mic drop. Lisa. I really did a mic drop there. 
So, so if you want to check out, that's funny. So if you want to check out Lisa, you know, go, go to her website. If you're looking for timing, she's your gal and, you know, look out for that book in the future and check out, you know, the, the Llewellyn publication. Um, what's the moon's yeah, moon? I have it on my, I have it on the author section. Like if you go to intuitive timing.com or astroherbalist.com it'll be the 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 little drop down menu on your phone or like if you're on a laptop it's there's a navigation bar it's the one that says author and it'll be at the top because i i just updated it perfect well thank you lisa thank you Um, i'm so excited to be finally on your show (laughs) yes we'll have to have you back another time please please (laughs) i want to come back okay good so well (laughs) where can people find me um well you can find me at energeticprinciples.com you can find me on facebook and mostly instagram a little more you know, do I'm doing my thing on both, but there's more presence on Instagram and that is at energetic principles. Um, and I do, you know, readings, whether they're local or, uh, or I like to call them consultations. Uh, I do consultations, you know, locally and, uh, via the web, if you're anywhere else in the world. Um, and like I was saying earlier, if you want to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon, uh, if you want to do my weekly custom tarot spreads, uh, you can do that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and as always, if you like what you heard here today, you know, spread the good word, share it with a friend. Um, and if you feel so inclined uh, to leave a, a nice review on iTunes to help me get, you know, more visible in the astrology world or in any world, uh, you know, <laughs> per se, um, I would love that as well. So thank you again, Lisa, for being here. You're such a pleasure. Thank you. I am so happy to finally be on your show and I want to come back for sure. Okay, perfect. You will be back. So, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. (laughs) And as always, may the stars be with you. 